Welcome to uh, episode 75, um, Small Worship with the Templar Knight. Um, today, we are not going to do that. Today, we're going to have a little talk about burning hearts. Um, you can uh, look up Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Before we get started, uh, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Lord, why do so many people seem to resist your word? I'm sad that so many seem to be insensitive to spiritual matters. Why don't they acknowledge you instead of defying you? Why can't they see you made the world and everything in it? Why won't they recognize you? Help me to share Christ with these, my friends and members of my family, as tenderly as I can, seeking a response in them. May I continue to take care of them and have them whether they want to have anything to do with you or not. Lord Jesus, give me your strength, your endurance, your patience, and your perseverance to be there for them always. Soften their hearts, Lord. I pray to receive you soon. Amen. Burning hearts. You know, it's it's sweet to walk with the one uh, whom you love. Robert Burns had written a beautiful t little poem entitled John Anderson. My Joe, in this poem, a beloved wife, uh, is speaking to her husband. She speaks of all the hills that they had climbed together, and, and now, as they near the end of their journey, she says they soon will rest together at the bottom of the last hill. You can almost feel the sweetness of the long walk they had, had taken together over the years and have taken together over the years. But let me tell you something even better. The sweetest walk of all is to walk with Jesus. There's a little story about uh, two men who walked with him after his resurrection from the grave. These men were walking toward their home in Emmaus and were laminating the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, but suddenly, out of nowhere, he was walking by their side, full of life. But they didn't recognize him. In their wildest imagination, they could not believe that the one they had seen die could be alive again. Jesus asked them why they were so sad, and they told him of their grief and their disappointment, that this was not the one who would have redeemed Israel. So Jesus, in a marvelous way, opened up the scriptures and explained how they how the promised Messiah would uh, come and suffer and be crucified for all the world's sinners. These amazed men then came to their home and in a true Eastern fashion invited this intriguing stranger to come in and spend the night with them. Jesus accepted the invitation and uh, they soon sat down to supper. He asked the blessing. And as he prayed, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But when they looked up, he had mysteriously vanished from their sight. Then they said one to the uh, another, 
did our hearts burn within us while we while we talked with us by the way and while he opened to us uh, the scriptures then they ran back to jerusalem and told the disciples all that had happened the sadness these two men loved jesus and of course they were sad because he had he was crucified sadness is the common lot of us all if you've not had a great sorrow in life you can be sure it will come in time adam and leave uh, lived in the most beautiful place in the world in the world as ever known the garden of eden but because of their sin they were driven out of the garden and i'm sure that the tears of sadness streamed down their faces as they looked back and and looked at it to see what they had just lost sorrow came from sin and it always does this couple had two sons cain and abel because of jealousy and envy cain rose up and killed his brother and i'm sure that when the news reached adam and eve their hearts were filled with sorrow cain also tasted that sorrow because he was driven out to be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. Again, sin brought sour, sorrow. Jacob's favorite son was Joseph, whom he loved with all his heart, but Joseph's jealous brothers sold him into slavery and reported to Jacob that Joseph had been slain by a wild beast presenting and presenting Joseph a bloody coat of many colors as proof. And in his great sorrow, Jacob wept and said, I'll go down to my grave in sorrow. Here, too, sin brought sadness. David also had a favorite son, Absalom, a good-looking young man with charm to win friends and influence people. In his desire for power, he raised up an army against his father. That army was unsuccessful. And Absalom rode away from the battle, and his luxurious hair was caught in, in a low-hanging uh, branch of a tree or bough of a tree, and he dangled there. Yohab rode up and plunged three darts through Absalom's heart, killing him instantly. When the news of his death reached David, we see one of the saddest pictures in the Bible. Old David climbed up into his chambers over the gate, and his heart was broke. He sobbed, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. Would, would God I had died for thee? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. Again, we see the sadness brought on by sin. In the little city of Bethany near Jerusalem, there was a home where Jesus loved to visit. In that home lived three beloved friends, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Once when Jesus was away on a preaching mission, death came to that home. Lazarus became ill and died. Four, late, four days later, when Jesus returned, he found the two sisters overcome with grief, and, and he was so moved with compassion for them that we see his human side taking over, and, and we read in the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. And we are here to remember that he is always moved with our sorrows. There are many uh, other instances of sadness in the lives of those who make up uh, the biblical story. The older we become, the more sadness comes to our lives. A lot of people lose their parents at young ages. People have lost family members at young ages. We know who you are, and we and and uh, we uh, understand the sadness. People lose sons and daughters. The world is a sad old place, a veil of tears. Dr. Vance Hardner is one of the greatest and most uh, unusual preachers, if you've ever heard of him. He was, uh, he was a pastor in a lot of, sto- in a lot of churches. Um, he moved place to place. Uh, he did not marry until he was 40 years old. But his wife was one of the sweetest and most lovable women that ever lived. They were married for 33 years. She traveled with them everywhere looked after every need that that he had and was a marvelous companion and comforter to him. They continued all these years in great love that they had found when when they married. Then all of a sudden she was stricken with a dread disease and lingered on for months, months and months, and then uh, she passed away. In this letter that he wrote to another pastor, he said, you don't know what it's like until you've been there. How true that is. Preachers try their best to comfort others in their sorrow, but they don't really know what it's like until the, until the death angel knocks at their door. He also said, a thing is not lost if you know where it is. Pretty obvious. So we have not really lost our loved ones when we know they are waiting for us in heaven and that they'll and we'll soon see them again. Dr. Havner uh, was preaching to several hundred black preachers in uh, Virginia and he he tells of them his, in a marvelous book through the valley of the shadow. He said that these preachers sang as only they can sing a song. Farther along will understand why, farther along will know all about it. And he said that he could only tap his foot and cry. After that, he had a, a new note in his preaching. His, his sorrow uh, brought him closer to God. Dr. George uh, W. Truitt used to say, uh, be careful how you suffer. When sorrow comes, we are not to be bitter. We are to let it bring us closer to God. Dr. Carl Green was a pastor of a Baptist church in uh, Macon, Georgia. Early one Sunday morning, uh, two military people came into his home and and uh, to tell him that his son had been killed in Vietnam. We're going way back now. Although their hearts were breaking, his wife taught her Sunday school class that morning, and and he preached at a regular service. He said, uh, "We preach that God's grace is sufficient, and now we have the opportunity to show to show by our lives that God can sustain even in the hour of sorrow. 
Although this world is a veil of tears, the Bible tells us that God shall wipe away all the tears. The psalmist said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. Jesus joined these men as they walked along, but they did not recognize him. Their eyes were affected in such a way that they did not know him, but the Bible doesn't explain how. It's a pitiful thing today and that uh, he is a stranger to so many. They go their way, buying and selling, eating and drinking, having a good time, but never giving Jesus a thought, never realizing their need of him. Thank God he is no stranger to the Christian, for he has met him at the cross, and life grows sweeter day by day as he walks and talks with them. Don't ever forget the day you met Jesus. When this uh, evangelist Gypsy Smith was a boy, he traveled uh, with gypsies. That's how he got his name, right? He made his living by whittling clothespins from sticks and selling them. He became the uh, world-renowned preacher. But he always kept his old knife at home. Often he would pick it up and say, this is where you came from. You were nothing until you met Jesus. It's true in all of us. Who were these two men who walked with Jesus? The name of one was Cleopas. The name of the other is not given. Jesus had a helpful ministry to the nobodies, the, the nameless ones of the world, not to the rich, the great, the educated, but to anyone who needed him. He saved me, and I'm certainly a nobody. Right? We read in John 4, how he dealt in the compassion with a prostitute, a nameless woman of the street. John 5 uh, shows how he healed a man who had been afflicted for 38 years with an awful infirmity. A nobody in the community. In John 9, we see how he gave sight to a poor blind man whose name was unknown. In Mark 4, we are shown how he healed a man um, brought to him by four friends, but their names are not, never given. On the cross, he took the hand of a guilty thief and led him into paradise with him. He was just a poor, unnamed criminal. He ministered to the little people of the world, but they were great in his sight. And so is everybody, every needy creature today. The disciples were in a fierce storm on the Sea of Galilee, and it seemed that their condition was hopeless. But Jesus came walking across the water and said, It is I, be not afraid. And today, when the storms of life overwhelm us, he comes again and says, It is I, be not afraid. I'll always be with you. Thank God. He's not a stranger to those who have trusted him. He walks with us every day saying, These are mine. I'll never leave them nor forsake them, and I'll make all things work together for their good. When Jesus asked why these men were so sad, they answered, we trusted that this one who was crucified would be the one redeem, the one to redeem Israel. But now he's dead three days. John chapter 1 verse 11 tells us that uh, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Why did they reject him? Why didn't they receive him? 
Well, there are two lines of prophecy running through the Old Testament, one telling of coming of the coming king and the other uh, of a suffering savior. But before the Messiah could be a king, Jesus told these men, he must first suffer through their Now in, in the Old Testament, uh, must first suffer. People did not understand what was going on with this because it was in the in the uh, now and uh, happening in the Old Testament. Um, they thought that their Messiah would come in a, as a conquering king, but when he came as a suffering savior, they didn't recognize him. He was of a lowly birth. Think about that. Born in a manger. He was brought up uh, in the obscure in an obscure village. His family was very poor. He had no place to lay his head. So, looking for a mighty king, they didn't recognize him. Didn't recognize him at all. The other line of prophecy showing him coming as a king is yet to be fulfilled. One day, excuse me. One day the skies will open up and uh, his will come in in all glory of the Father. But no one knows this uh, day nor the hour that of that coming. Jesus said to these men, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Don't you know that Christ must suffer first before, his, before he becomes a king? They could see a throne but not a cross. It would be the same with us. If he came uh, uh, as a humble peasant today, um, would you see him? A religion without a cross and blood is a false religion. Without the, without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. There is only one who can save us, the one who shed his blood for us. An old saint lay, lay, die, lay dying and a, and a priest came over to see him. The priest felt that no one could get uh, to heaven unless he opened the gates. He said, I have come to grant absolution to you. What? said the old man. I have come to forgive you your sins, replied the priest. May I look at your hands? asked the old saint. And when the priest extended his hand, the godly man said, You are an imposter. The one who forgives my sins must have a print of the nails in his hand. A Chinese Christian told how he was saved. I fell into a deep pit, he said, and there was no way out. I, I cried for help and soon saw the face above me, and I expected help, but it was Confucius. And he said, if you had followed my path, you would not have fallen. And he walked away. <clears throat> then another face appeared. It was the face of Buddha. And I felt for sure that he would help me. But he said, if you were up here, I would teach you how to live. And he walked away. Then I looked up and I saw another fade face filled with compassion. He immediately jumped down in the pit, lifted me up on his shoulders and pushed me out. And, and it was Jesus, my Savior. Don't be a supposer thinking anyone else or anything else can save you. It is Jesus, only Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other than the name under heaven 
given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Jesus went all the way back to Moses and explained the scriptures to these men. And when they understood, they knew then that these prophecies had been fulfilled and a new hope sprang up into their hearts. Now, you don't have to understand all of the Bible to be saved. You need uh, to know only that you are a sinner and that Christ can save you. This great European theologian or theologist, theologian, uh, came to America and he spoke to many churches and universities one day in a question and answer period. Someone asked, Doctor, uh, with all your knowledge of theology and the Bible, what is the greatest truth you have ever learned? And the great man's eyes filled with tears and he said, I learned, I learned it at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. A young boy was converted, and before he was baptized, someone teased him and said, Suppose that preacher drowned you. And he said, I know that preacher. And if he puts me down, he'll bring me up. The Bible tells us that if we come to Jesus, he will in no way cast us out. Just trust him. And he will be yours, and you will be his forever. No power on earth heaven or hell will be able to snatch you from him. Nothing. So, when the three of them came to the gate and two men invited Jesus to come spend the night, he accepted that invitation. And as they sat down to supper, he took the bread and blessed it and gave thanks. Something in the way he prayed made them know it was Jesus. But when they looked up, uh, he had vanished. Vanished right out of their sight. The thing that made them recognize him reminds us that the way we live makes others see Jesus. You can see Jesus as you read the Bible. You can see him in, in some great services. You can see him in, in nature. But it is more meaningful when someone can say, I saw Jesus in you. There was a vice president of a bank in Pennsylvania. This is an interesting story. And an evangelist came to his town, and he began to draw great, huge crowds to his preaching. Each morning, the preacher brought in his night's offering to the bank. <clears throat> um, so this man was a teller there at this time. He never at attended any of the meetings, although he had many invitations. He said that the preacher, quote, preacher, that, that preacher is a crook. He is just here to get our people's money. Unquote. As the uh, offerings increased each day, the bank teller found it hard to be civil to the preacher. And when the preacher made his deposit on the last day, there was a check in there from a, a poor widow lady. We can't honor that check, said the teller. That woman has no money in the bank. And besides that, we're just about to foreclose on a $1,500 mortgage on her home that she had left over. The evangelist tore up the check and went over to the counter and wrote out his own check to the bank for $1,500. Maybe you can honor this check, he said. 
take care of the lady's mortgage, but don't tell her who paid for it. That banker at that time was amazed. He couldn't speak. Then the preacher said, Mister, the little woman with such dedication deserves more than to have her home taken away. Besides, haven't you read in the Bible what we're supposed to do for widows and orphans? The banker said this, uh, this thing nagged him for months and months and months and weeks after that when and he took up uh, took the paid mortgage to the window to the widow he had never seen such happiness on one person's face can you imagine that his he figured that this evangelist did this for one reason because he was a christian he said he couldn't get away from it until he too became a christian he also said i never heard him preach but i guess you can say i am one of the converts of Billy Sunday. Well, if, if we all lived the kind of lives that we should for Christ, many others would be influenced by our Christianity. When Jesus disappeared, these two men said to each other, didn't our hearts burn with, within us? While well, he walked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, Let's go and tell the others what has happened. So they rushed back the seven miles to Jerusalem and, and, and told the story. Well, when you meet Jesus with your heart, your heart burns with love for him. You want to tell someone else about it. Years ago, a rich uh, nobleman in Europe wanted to leave a legacy for his people. So he built this huge, beautiful church building. The people were pleased uh, when the building was completed, but they missed something and said, where are the lamps? The man replied, do you see those brackets uh, on the wall? I'm going to give you the lamps and you are, you are to bring them to church with you each time and place and, and each time and, and place them in the brackets. When you bring your lights, the area will be lighted. When you do not bring them, it'll be dark. God has given us the light of the gospel. And we let it shine in our part of the world. And it'll be lit. When our lights for Christ don't shine, our part of the world is dark. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. Let it shine. We have in Christ all the world needs. A missionary in India met a medicine man who claimed that he could cure any disease in the world. Any disease? Any disease, asked the missionary. Yes. I have a patient with a terrible disease, uh, and no doctor has yet been able to cure her. But the disease is sin, said the missionary. Oh, I can't cure that. No one can cure that, uh, replied the medicine man. Yeah, there's one who is himself the remedy for all sin, and his name is Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John chapter 1, verse 7. In a certain battle, a wounded man was able to drag himself to his tent where he died. They found him on the ground 
with his Bible open and in his hand. And his fingers, his fingers were glued to one verse in the, in the 11th chapter of John. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And who, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's the kind of religion I want. I want a Savior who will wash away all my sin. I want one who will cause my heart to burn within me as I walk with him on the pathway of life. I want one I can recommend to everyone. I want one who could sustain me when I come down to die and take me home to glory. Thank you. Thank you for listening to that. Let's bow our heads in a because we know we're all fighting. We're fighting the spiritual warfare. We're all fighting. Almighty God, we thank you for the victory Lord Jesus Christ won on the cross over Satan. We we want to live in the power of the victory even today. Advance the cause of good. Restrain the forces that oppose your purposes. May we constantly remember that the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil has already been won. May you yourself continually be our vision that we may trust in you fully to see us through, not depending on our own strength. May we stand firm in all your spiritual resources. May our minds be set on you and your grace. May our righteousness be fully assured in Christ. And may we be ready to serve you as we live and speak for you constantly taking your word and praying to you. We do not want to lead lives that are constantly defeated. Your word declares that we are more than conquerors through Christ, and we pray for that to become true in our own lives even now. We pray, too, for our wider community and nation that you will release the unlimited power of Christ over the spiritual forces that at present bind people, that you will right now turn around situations we currently consider hopeless. Demonstrate that you are the Lord of the world. Drive back the areas of darkness. Bring healing where there is sickness and disease. May we all become strong and remain strong in you and your power. We pray all these things on the basis of the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining me here today. I hope your day is, the rest of your day and evening is, is blessed. I rest, the hope of your, your life is blessed. Have a great evening.